0: What's up then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Most as usual, Midge, alongside me, Makao, the Keg. Oh,
1: gosh.
0: And good. joining us today for our Steelers episode, we have Ron joining us from Steelers Takeaway. How are we doing today, Ron? We're doing all right for uh, Daylight Savings. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. All good, sir. All good, good. Uh, just before we begin, Ron, I'll let you um, explain, obviously, the st- uh, the page and the socials and everything like that. So I'll let you have the floor. Uh, thanks. Yeah, so we've
2: interviewed now about a thousand former Steelers players, coaches, front office personnel. Uh, that's what we do from the 50s through today's guys. Uh, and we just keep getting their stories, keep getting their backgrounds on uh, their experiences in Pittsburgh on and off the field. And that's uh, the page of Steelers Takeaways.com and uh, you can go there and access all those interviews as well as go to Pittsburgh Sport for, on Twitter and I just have a, a Pittsburgh Sport Instagram uh, page that I'm trying desperately to figure out how to make work well.
1: So there you go. Yeah, I, can't, I can't understand Instagram at all. I'll leave that me, it's, like uh... it's always to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll get there, definitely. But no, that's good. So guys, I'll make sure to leave uh, Ron's and the Steelers takeaway page all in the descriptions and all on our posts, social media. So that'll be all linked in there for us. So Ron, let's uh, let's get straight to it and talk about Steelers. So, I mean, it couldn't have started any better. Obviously, uh, 11-0, you know, everyone, as much as you were getting quite a lot of criticism, I'm like, look, you're winning games. It doesn't really matter how you win them. You're winning games, you're going through everything. Then it sort of got towards the end of the season. I think uh, we well, finished twelve and four. It still won the division, you know. So you, you've got that going, and you know it was a bit of a few games, where it's a bit went off a bit of the wire. But anyway, you, you 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 then go into the playoffs with the division twelve and four, and you got the Browns. Who uh, it was? It, we were watching that game, and it and it just shocked us sort of just what happened. Obviously, the, the bad snap from Pouncey didn't help. Obviously, that you know that sort of was a spiral, downward spiral after that. And it's such a shame because obviously throughout the season, you know, you're a top 10 in both categories, defense and offense. I mean, how did you see it? I mean, it must have been a heartbreaking end. And to be honest, as much as you've had the Browns number for years, they finally um, had one on you in the playoffs at home. And I suppose that's a hard, hard one, hard, bitter pill to swallow, should we say. It, it was. Uh, I mean,
2: you know, that start hit a lot of problems, you know, and I think it was almost uh you almost rather start a little, little less comfortably and really realize your issues and be able to deal with them. I think what happened was but the, the, the good start really hit a lot of the problems, hit a lot of the warts, and then by the time they had to face them, it was almost too late to adjust, and they don't, frankly, adjust all that well. They do what they do, and if that doesn't work, then they try to do what they do even more. <laughs> and so I think what happened was that uh, it became too late in the season to really adjust fully to what they had really experienced all season long, but they didn't have to deal with because of the, because of the win streak. And then come Cleveland, it was just a nightmare. I mean, I think they were shell-shocked. I spoke to Vince Williams about it, and he said, you know, how do you start off, you know, losing down 28 and, nothing, And, you know, my argument was, well, the defense is allowed to stop people too, right? So even if you have a turnover at midfield or whatever, you know, we're still allowed to stop them and hold them to a field goal. But I think everyone was just shell-shocked and didn't really fully recover until it was too late.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think it was a bit of a mistake sort of resting the players the week before like the playoff game? Because obviously they weren't in the best of form. It could have sort of given them that game to get used to playing and stuff. And I don't know, I just thought they looked a little bit slow start. They weren't quite, with yeah. momentum-wise, they weren't quite at it, were they? And the-
2: I think they could have used a half. and But then, you know, the caveat out there is, okay, they play a guy and he gets hurt. Then, you know, Tomlin never hears the end of that, right? Yeah. So yeah. I know there's a a take to that. But to your point, I mean, they were not, playing well and they needed some some reps and I think they caught they probably should have had them in there I mean Ben looked a little rusty even though he came on in the end uh, you know he, he had to come on in the end because of some of his own you know problems in the yeah. beginning and some of it you know frankly it's just what we saw all season long caught up and Pouncey was having bad snaps all year long this wasn't yeah. a new thing um, you know the run game was in terms of defense was hot and cold all year long and then they had to back up at, you know at a at linebacker So, and that didn't help. So, you know, I think things just caught up to them and they just didn't have a solution for it. Pass interference, defense, automatic first down.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, it's easy to say now, isn't it, that they should have played them in the week 17. But as you say, they could have got an injury and then we'll all be saying, why did you play them? So, I mean, if we move on to the cap situation for next year, you currently sort of got. You know, five million to play with. I mean, that's not an awful lot. That, you know, just about to sign your draft picks. Maybe a little bit shy. I mean, sort of free agency starting next week. Is there any guys that you sort of want to move on to sort of so you can move into free agency and have a bit of money to spend?
2: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is in a really tight situation. Obviously, it, but it's not the doom and gloom yet that people feel it is. But they can't. This is the offseason and the draft where they've got to be spot on right? They cannot make a mistake. They don't have the luxury of, of cap space of making a mistake. So right now they, they have needs at nose tackle. They have needs at corner because they need a backup yep. there that cause both go, Those guys are free agents and they're both really good quality players. They need a tight end who can actually block. They need uh, a center. They don't have one uh, except for BJ Finney, who they signed, who really is a depth guy. They could use a tackle, an offensive tackle. They don't really have one that they expect to re-sign Banner. They need a running back. So you get the gist here. There's a lot of, a lot of needs and very little cap room. So the hope is that they could solve a couple of those needs in free agency, whether it's center, whether it's uh, corner and re-signing one of our guys, uh, like Sutton or Hilton. Sutton preferably because he could do a little bit more versatility-wise. Oluolu uh, at nose tackle. Those, hopefully, are signings that they can make. They have a little bit more work they can do to get under that cap by more than $5 million. Some restructures and extensions they can potentially do. But, you know, my dream is that they find one of those centers that have been cut in free agency, bring one of those on board, solve the center issue, yeah. re sign one of those backup corners so they solve that backup depth issue a corner, and then they can go into the draft really just focused on the run game, Draft a couple of offensive linemen, Draft a really key, uh, you know, High-level running back, and then I think they're right back to where they need to be, but they can't miss on picks, and they've got to they got to get some of those signings happening in free agency so they can really be strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that this is, as like you say, just such an important offseason. I mean, we've we've covered pretty much we're covering every team, and we're going through this. and Your capture isn't as bad as a lot of teams, but then we look at your free agents, and you've got some really really good players here that sort of you're going to struggle to resign. I mean, yeah. like you say, you've got plenty of needs as well.
2: I mean, that's the thing. It's all relative to, your cap space is all relative to your needs, right? I mean, Mm. if if you don't have any free agents and you're tied against the cap, well, great. You know, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of angst over guys like Juju and Bud leaving, and they'll leave. I don't think there's any chance to resign either player, but they've got, in those positions, guys who can step in and play. Highsmith is, in his rookie year, was a better player than Bud was in his first two or three seasons. Yeah. So... You know, I think his upward trajectory is still there. I don't think he has a, he's hit a ceiling yet. So I think he's still got some some really strong ability to, to contribute there. And they've got really good wide receivers. Then, so, and they have a good track record for bringing in more. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about receiver and outside linebacker as much as some. They get Devin Bush back at inside linebacker, which makes a big difference. But they've got issues on the line and on offense on the line and, and at running back. And so uh, they'll let Connor go. He was a decent running back, but they need better. So all these guys that, that are leaving that people are ang- have angst about, the only guys that I really worry about are nose tackle just because we don't have anyone that is a proven nose tackle behind the Lulu. And, uh, and, and a corner it's Sutton. and I think they need Sutton because they need a real backup outside corner and he can play the slot too. Uh, Hilton can't play backup outside. So I think Sutton should be probably the guy they key on there. Uh, yeah. So you're right, they're really tight and they're going to have to make some really interesting moves to stay strong. But I think they can do it. It's just, you know, it, this is where the front office gets the big bucks to, to make these moves and succeed in getting players to stick around. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think that most teams are expecting the cap to sort itself out a little bit next year. So, you know, you can push that money back a little bit and hope that it sort itself out. I mean, I think the major loss for you is going to be the experience you're going to lose on the line. Yes, you said Pouncey had a lot of issues last year, but, you know, he's still been... There for so long, and you've got uh, Villa, Villa, That's probably not going to resign, is he? Or
2: likely not. But I think they're they're looking at. You know, I spoke to some of these guys. I spoke to 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 Banner uh, before free agency was coming up. But he's he expects to be the left tackle, I think. And wow. uh, I think they feel comfortable that he will come in, and you know, has he done that before? <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> You know, this is not like backup fullback here, right? This is your left So, Yeah. You know, they're rolling the dice. So I expect that your first three picks in the draft will be in some semblance of order. If they don't sign a a center in free agency, it's going to be center, offensive tackle, and running back in some variation of that order. Uh, I think if you're Ben Roethlisberger and you got a rookie coming in, you second-guess your decision to come back. (laughs) (laughs) that's the order left tackle for that matter even but you know fine left tackle you could probably deal with a bit but you know I, I would like to see them get a veteran center and solve that issue in free agency through free agency and bring up their draft you know opportunities a bit
1: yeah, yeah. I mean he is strangely elusive Ben Roethlisberger really, for his size and his age I mean we, <laughs> yeah. we watched him um we watched him player over here and he was just it was mental, you know, he was just avoiding everything, you know, ducking and diving, it was yeah. superb. I and mean, he's he's one of my favourite players of yeah. all time. But
0: out of watching a guy, like I say, we did obviously we've only watched handful teams that have come over from obviously being in London, we've watched international games and when we watched and that was probably the best game we went to was uh the, the Steelers Vikings in 20 I want to say 2014. Oh. And it was a tight game, went it went right to the wire. And like we were saying, that that was when I, I think it was that was when Adrian Peterson was, you know, in his prime and everything. And, and it was such a good game. And you're just seeing, and the Vikings had a good D line. And, and he's just avoiding, you know, you're like, oh, well, that's, and he's just avoiding these like yeah. dense sacks. And you're like, for a guy who's like, it's just, it's just it just amazed me. Like, you know, he, he's had so much potential and he is such a great player. He's been, he's a really good player to watch. And like you said, I think it's so difficult. And you be to get into your point, you hit the nail on the head on the offensive line and also, I think, to be honest, I think the best thing about this year's draft, you've got a lot of depth at the line, Uh, you know, that there's projected to be, I mean, even in our first mock, we've had like five to six guys go in the first round, you know, which is insane and they're, you know, some people have said people that can come in and play right away, There's there's a lot of depth on the line and there's also some nice depth at running back outside of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. There are some nice guys out of coming out of this year. So, it's like you say, you want to hit nails on picks, but the best thing about it, there is a lot of depth in this draft. So you can you can nail some picks in the third to fourth rounds that can hopefully, like you said, make an impact at least, at least some sort of impact, you know, and, and move, move the Cedars into the position. The, the draft is lining
2: up to need, which is nice, to your point. They have this yeah. deep offensive line draft. They can probably find someone in the second round if they go running back round one. They've got options. Uh, They just can't miss. And the issue is that even beyond the draft, let's say you get starters those first three rounds, right. Which is a high expectation, but in this draft, I think you could probably do that for guys on the line and running back, but they still got to, they still got to solve backup cornerback or else, you know, they they have no one in the slot right now. They've got to be able to solve nose tackle. They've got no one really playing nose tackle. They need a tight end who can actually block. They don't have one of those right now. That's really tried and true. Um, Ebron, I think had the understanding that if you stare at someone really strongly, they might stop. And that hasn't worked. <laughs> so, uh, you yeah, know, there's a lot of stuff out there that they need help with and it's not all going to have, it's not all going to get accomplished through the draft. So, uh, yeah, and gonna get accomplished through scheme. Uh, they're going to have to really, really do something free agency this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, just going back a little bit, I mean, are you happy with uh, Ben coming back this year? I know, I mean, you're going to have to sort of think of succession plan, soon. I mean, you got any sort of thoughts about taking a QB this year? I know you've got a lot of other needs, as you've touched upon, and it's sort of like you can't really afford to waste a pick on a QB, but you also do need to sort of start thinking about the future.
2: My guess is if one of those guys falls to them in a position, or at their pick at 24, which is pretty, probably doubtful to say the least, but if there's one they feel like they can trade up comfortably and get, maybe they do it, but I, I think... This year, I think they're riding all in on Ben. It, it felt like in the office, like prior to Ben signing up, they were telling him, look, you know, we're going to throw this really cool party. You're not going to know many people here anymore. You have to bring your own beer. Mm. But, yeah. but if you want to come, yeah. come on. you know? Yeah. And Ben said, okay, you know, I'm coming, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it felt like that, all, like they were just like, telling Ben, like, Are you really sure you want to do this? And Ben was like, yeah, I really want to do this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I spoke to Vince Williams about Haskins, which was a really interesting conversation. He, and I, he brought it up on his own. He really loves Haskins. And he felt like Haskins, he knows, Vince Williams knows some guys in, on Washington, the Washington football team. Uh, go figure that. Yep. Uh, hmm. He knows guys on that team who felt like Haskins just needed, a, a, frankly, a better locker room. Yeah. And uh, Haskins is in a locker room where if he can't get what he needs there, he's not going to find much, much anywhere else. He's got leadership there. He's got structure there. So watch out for him. I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's a potential answer. And I think they're willing, the front offices, to ride out a year of Haskins and and Rudolph as a backup to Ben. see what they got in them in practice and in in preseason, sort of uh, see what they got. And, you know, you see nowadays, you know, you bring in a rookie or you could trade for a vet. It's not, you know, I hear hard quarterbacks are hard to come by, but it doesn't feel like they're as hard to come by as they used to be. And I think they feel comfortable that they will either find one next year if Rudolph doesn't pan out or Haskins doesn't pan out or they'll get Haskins and Rudolph to pan out.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you touched on a great point about the, you know, the change of scenery for Haskins and that. And it is probably his last chance as well. So he, he needs to get it right this time. And I think, you, you know, I think you're in a position to do that and give him a try, like you say. Yeah,
0: I think, I think with quarterbacks the- as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I feel like with Haskins as well, you get some players. I mean, we, we've had this discussion on a couple of episodes about um Jared Goff, about obviously the trade with Detroit. And yeah. I'm a bit higher on golf than the Keg is. If you want to see the episodes, people know he's not high on golf. But I said, look, I said, Yeah, albeit he's not what he used to be. You know, he had a bit of early success. I know obviously that Rams defence helped him out massively you know, he's now going to Detroit. But I feel like a change, we can it can just it innovate a guy's inner potential sometimes, you know. And, and like you said, I think out of any organisation to go to with structure, like you said, veteran and leadership and, you know, good players that have been there a long time, I, I feel like it is a good feel for Haskins, especially being behind Big Ben as well. You know, not a lot of quarterbacks get to be behind someone. You know, as much as people say, oh, it's becoming more of a thing now that people, oh, maybe sit a guy under someone. It's like, that's all well and good, but you've got to have the right guy for them to sit behind, you know? So I think you can get a better guy than Big Ben for for Haskins to sit behind 100%.
2: And automatic first down. And the good thing with Ben this year, like Ben hasn't always been the guy to mentor young guys, but when everyone knows that this is his last season, there's less, you know, I think there's going to be less resistance for, for him to do that. So I think that he can learn. Ben also, you know, Ben's to your point about the Vikings game and running away from the defensive lineman. Ben is a little bit of a freelancer. I'm not sure how much that translates in education. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to <laughs> tutor someone how to forget the playbook and just do your own thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ben's a little bit of that. But uh, not to say that he's not c- cerebral and doesn't, you know, do well by the playbook, but some of his best plays – are not the stand in the pocket and, and throw perfect passes. It's, it's the escaping from Terrell Suggs and throwing passes yeah. that no human being should throw. Yeah. Uh, so how much of that is translatable and teachable, I don't know. But, yes, it's great having a future Hall of Fame quarterback to learn from in a veteran locker room. And, again, the fear of, like, this is your last stop, right? If you don't make yeah. it happen here, you're probably done. So yeah. that's a big motivator, too.
0: Yeah. I think so. Big time. I mean, if we move on to the draft, Ron, I mean, the Keg, we're, we're both in a bit of agreement here. Now you're picking the 24 in the first, um, you know, with everything else going pick-wise. And we were in agreement on, you know, like I you say, you've obviously got the offensive line. We've mentioned obviously how deep that is. Um, but like you said, you can pick up guys. I mean, I feel like running back and line are very deep in this draft in terms of position to that, the two position groups. But we had when we were going through our mocks, Travis Etienne for that. Obviously, there's a lot of rumors that he could go in day one late, but he could re- easily go into day two. We both had him and thought, you know what? It's very much not a bad option. I think Travis Etienne would work very well in that offense. Um, so yeah. we both had him at 24. I mean, what would you? What is your perfect scenario for for draft for draft draft day? Come at least round one. What would you like to see them see them do? Uh, if they don't – I mean, the perfect
2: scenario for me, free agency side, let's assume they don't sign a center in free agency. I think then you're looking at center round two, the best available center. I don't care who that person is. Uh, and then round one, you know, Canada's offense is really interesting because it's it's a little flashier, and Etienne would be really interesting in that offense. Mm-hmm. But then it really depends on their philosophy because Tomlin's a big, I want a, I want a big back kind of guy, right? So, you know, that's not necessarily Etienne. No, from what I'm hearing, he's more physical than I initially gave him credit for. So there could be a little bit of that there. I, I'm not as big of a draft guy, but what I do know from this draft is you've got three or four running backs who are really, really worth taking in those first two picks of the Steelers. Yeah. And knowing how the Steelers operate, they're going to let everyone else pick yeah, I don't think there's much separation in probably the top 10 offensive linemen probably or so, especially at center and interior offensive line, which is less of a critical position for a lot of teams. Yeah. The way I see the Steelers looking at this is they, they'll let everyone make their runs on offensive linemen. They'll pick the best available running back and then come back to the guy who's the best available offensive lineman round two that hasn't, you know, because I don't think the separation is all that great, but with running backs it is great. So yeah. they'll pick the better running back up top take the offensive lineman round two and probably like a blocking tight end, like a good physical tight end round three or maybe another offensive lineman even round three.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of it's going to come down to what you do in free agency, like you say. I mean, you need to be picking up a centre at some point. So if, yeah. if it's not addressed there, that needs to be a major need in the draft. I mean, yeah, I, I think you do need to address the run game. Obviously, the playoff game you were chasing, but there was no sign of any run game at all, was there? I mean... I know you're not going to run the ball. But that needs to be saved for next year. I mean, if we move on to like a way too early prediction for next year, obviously there's a lot of holes you need to fill. Um, you know, it's going to be a big offseason. We don't know what sort of team you're going to have lined up. But I mean, what sort of record do you see yourself having next year?
2: It's tough. I mean, they have a tough record, a tough you know slew of teams to play. It wasn't like last year. But that stuff shakes out differently every year. I know it's the everyone looks in the preseason and says, "Oh, it's a tough record." Then half those teams tank, or, or they're not what the people thought they'd be, and then that record never was as strong. I see the team being on the on the outside looking in uh, on the cusp of playoff, you know. But yeah. you know, if they can solve the running game problems and just shore up that depth at corner which I think is an underrated really big concern of Pittsburgh, which could force their hand to drop someone higher, which then shifts the whole ability to fix the run game because now they can't bring in that running back because they got to go corner or something. Um, if they can fix the running game, though, and shore up the backup quarterback, I think they're as good as anyone. But I've always been told that if there's a lot of ifs in any scenario, then you're – you know, you, you don't don't bet on that horse, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like how I'm seeing Pittsburgh. I think there's a lot of potential there. It's sort of like drafting a guy round three who's got a lot of potential but isn't there yet. That's Pittsburgh. And they could really surprise, you know, with Ben at the helm, you never know. And they've got a good set of wide receivers. They've got some good skill on defense. So I, I'm seeing maybe like a wild card type team. And if they get there, let Ben just – go great guns and let him ride out in the sunset on his horse and play his ball and play his game and just, just see, what he, see what he can do on that playoff
1: run. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope you make the playoffs this year. I think, you know, Ben's had such a great career. He deserves another shot at it, you know. Um, and you're in a tough division. You know, the, the Browns are getting a lot better now. You know, um, it's it's not an easy season for you next year. But I do think you can sort of sneak in a wild card as long as you do address some areas, you know, as you say, the, the players you are losing, you have got depth pieces in that in them areas anyway. So, yeah, potentially not as big a losses as they first, you know, looked.
2: Yeah. A lot of people look at it and say, oh, you're losing Bud, and you're losing Juju, you're never going to win because they don't, you know, a lot of folks don't, especially not Pittsburgh fans, don't understand the depth. So, yeah, that depth is there. I think they're comfortable there. Uh, you know, I'm not sold that Baltimore is going to continue this run with, with Jackson at quarterback. I think we're seeing slowly that teams are starting to figure some things out. Yeah. You know, teams get to see Baltimore once every two years, once every year, uh, mostly. And, you know, he's is an enigma, right? Until you get enough film on him. And then all of a sudden, he's not someone who's got to pass the ball. And we haven't seen him do it yet. And until he does, he's not going to be the guy, in my eyes, that's going to. Make me think that this is the Super Bowl favorite, right? Yeah. So, you know, with Cincinnati, Cincinnati's always Cincinnati you know, to <laughs> me. They always find a way to just not do what they're supposed to do. And <laughs> I'm awful for Bro, but uh, he's coming off injury, so you know, we'll see what they are. In uh, Cleveland, you know, it still all comes down to Mayfield, and we saw last year the running game is really what carried that team. Mayfield yeah. played some nice play, and had some nice plays, but. He wasn't amazing. He was good, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Cleveland's going to, you know, to me, it's like they're, they're a sophomore season in terms of being a real contender. And now, you know, now they're, now they got to contend and they, now they got to defend, you know, what they've done. And that's not always an easy position to be in. So we'll see how they do. I'm not convinced that they're there yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's the first time for them in so long when it making the playoffs last year. Like you say, it could just be a bit of a, you know, the, the offensive line there is, is, you know, really won games last year, I believe, in it? Was it, yeah. was it number one mid, was it?
0: Yeah, it's number one ranked, obviously. You've got Nick Chubb like, running over, you know, everyone. And obviously Kareem Hunt, they, they were such a run first-base team. You know, Baker Mayfield, I think you put them nail on the head. Baker Mayfield is good. He's a nice piece to the offence. He works for that offence. They don't have to get him to throw it 40 times a game, which I can't think he's really that like, capable of anyway. He's had the odd game where he goes over, but they rely on that run so much. Um, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt there. so But yeah. I, I trust I trust the Steelers front office, you know, that every time, you know, since we've been following the league, Steelers are always a contender. And the reason why really is because they're front office, Mike Tomlin and Big Ben, you know, as long as you're Big Ben there, as much as yes, it's sort of the beginning of the end, which is a shame because obviously, you know, it is an era. He's been in the league for so long. You know, he's got, I think he's the last of that. Um, as you said, Kirk, we've talked on the show, mm-hmm. the, the trio of that 2004 draft, you know, he's, he's the last one left. And it's coming to a point. But I do think, like you say, I, I to me, you are 100% in a winning bracket. And to be honest, you're probably going to be favourites for the division. You know, very slight, but I think you will be. If you, Like I say, you can dress some areas. This is a playoff team with Big Ben at the helm. And if you get some pieces to add to that, you, you might turn a few heads.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think it's going to be one of those seasons where you hope for the best for Ben because – you know, it is his last season. You hate yeah. to see him go out with, like, a 4-12 and record or something. That would be just an abysmal way to end a career. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's a lot of moving pieces, but I think they've got the potential to be there. And, you know, one thing about Pittsburgh, the more people write them off, the more they embrace that role of the underdog, the better they play. So, I'm hoping one writes them off and Pittsburgh you know, the spirit of Joey Porter lives on, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see uh, in the so.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely see, Ron. We'll cap it off there. Uh Really appreciate you coming on, uh getting the time to chat to us. Uh Yeah, no, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully your Steelers can uh, produce and turn some heads next year. But appreciate you coming on.
2: Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys.
0: No problem. All right, guys. So another episode of off-season talk in the books. So we've still got more coming up and up to leading to the draft. But thanks very much again for listening. Take care, stay safe, and catch you soon.